Welcome to the Radical Mother Village. If you're new here, a radical mother is a woman poised in her power, ready to disrupt cycles of generational trauma running through her family like wildfire. She's working to improve her life, the lives of her children, and shape the landscape of her community. If that's you, you're in the right place. This podcast is designed to connect you with resources, inspiration, and the reminder that you are not alone as you embark on your journey of radical mothering. I'm your host, Krista Bevan, dynamic self-care coach for radical moms, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Now let's dive in. Welcome back, mamas, to another episode of the Radical Mother Village podcast. Today, I want to talk about meditation and why I hate it as a tool for anxiety. So I realize this might be a little bit of a controversial topic, but I have a good reason for why I hate it when you're anxious or when you're dealing with anxiety. And I'm going to go through those reasons, and then I'm going to tell you what I'd like instead and where I see meditation as actually being useful, because I don't think it's useful when you are in the middle of a season of anxiety in your life. So first, the reason that I don't like it is that we need to establish safety in our bodies first. And here's the thing. When we are anxious, there's often a mismatch between our thinking brain and its perception of a situation and our survival brain's perception of that situation. And this can happen as a result of unresolved stress responses, chronic stress, traumatic experiences, and those things all need to be addressed first. So there is anxiety that sort of is expected or that makes sense when you are anticipating something. So let's say the night before you have a review at work or you have to give a big presentation or you have something coming up that is going to put you a little bit outside of your comfort zone, that sort of anxiety is to be expected. The problem is, is that a lot of us are dealing with anxiety when there's, quote unquote, nothing wrong, or there's nothing that should be causing us to feel anxious, right? And that that sort of anxiety is what I'm talking about here, where there's a mismatch between our thinking brain and our survival brain. And what that's doing is that it's creating a constant signal of danger to our body and that danger can be perceived from external or internal sources and that means that it can be things that we sort of force ourselves to do and that means if you're sitting down to meditate because this is advice let's face it that's given often to people who suffer from anxieties oh try meditation and I don't think that it works because and I know that it doesn't work because it it hasn't worked for me and it hasn't worked for clients that I work with. But it means that if you're sitting down to meditate, but your nervous system is in a state of dysregulation, like when you're dealing with chronic anxiety, meditation can actually end up exacerbating those feelings. So rather than it feeling like a regulating activity that helps you feel calm and relaxed, it can actually cause you to feel more anxious. And this is something that's really common and ends up leaving people feeling like they're doing something wrong. They aren't trying hard enough. They aren't good enough. There's something wrong with them, etc. It It ends up creating this story in their mind about themselves 
that can actually perpetuate things. Because the reality is there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with the activity that you chose to try to help you feel less anxious. And that's why it's backfiring. So I want to break down some of the ways that meditation can backfire when you're anxious. So the first place is that we can be resistant to change even when that change is beneficial. So forcing ourselves to meditate can actually be counterproductive and it can perpetuate our sense of danger. And I know that this seems counterintuitive, but you need to remember your nervous system's primary job is to keep you safe in the moment. And I I can't emphasize that in the moment piece enough because what that means is that it doesn't care about your safety in the long term. So meditation might be good for you down the road or over a long period of practice, but in the moment, if you're sort of feeling resistance and then you're pushing yourself to do it anyway, that isn't going to feel safe to your nervous system because your nervous system only knows the now. So even if you know something could potentially help you, again, if you're already dysregulated and anxiety is a form of dysregulation in your system, change can create resistance in your system as a protective mechanism. We've all heard the stories or known people, or maybe we've even lived this ourselves, where someone is in a toxic relationship. That relationship can be personal, it can be romantic, or even a professional relationship. And that person continues to stay, even when it's so clear from the outside, when you're objectively looking at what's going on and and the situation, it's so objectively clear that it's toxic. And sometimes the decision to stay is what makes sense in the moment in sort of the devil you know is better than the devil that you don't know kind of way in the eyes of our nervous system. And the same can be true of meditation, sitting and forcing yourself to try to be quiet and calm your thoughts and ignore your rattling, racing mind can also feel like a change that's a big upheaval in your system. And and your body is putting that resistance up on purpose, and it's trying to communicate something to you that disregarding it doesn't really help. So the other reason that trying to create a meditation practice when your nervous system needs regulation first is along the lines of what I was touching on at the beginning, which is that it can produce a lot of shame. It can really easily leave you feeling like it's not working or wondering why you're feeling more anxious instead of less anxious, and then thinking that you must be the reason why. Shame is this belief that we have done something and that we are inherently flawed. And what that does is that shame perpetuates your nervous system being in an activated state. It can contribute to the negative internal self-talk that actually keeps you anxious. Adding shame to an anxious mind is like adding lighter fluid to a raging fire. It just makes the fire rage even hotter for longer. And then third, the other reason that I don't like meditation for anxiety is that meditation practices often ask us to override our bodily sensations and our emotional responses to the situation. And I've experienced this before. I've had a number of instructors who have guided me to ignore my body, sit through pain, and stay with really uncomfortable sensations past the point I would have on my own, but in a way that was not honoring the practice of meditation, but in in essence was disrespecting my body's requests. And it was pushing me too far past my comfort level 
and also sort of my edge of tolerance. And that's, again, that's really counterproductive. It's not going to help you when you're anxious. It can be a really useful practice to sit and push your edge when you're more regulated. It can actually help you increase your tolerance for navigating through uncomfortable situations in life. But I really don't think that it's appropriate until you've reached a certain point in your healing. And most people who are given the advice, try meditation for anxiety, aren't at that point. Because here's the thing, when you're anxious, you have quite a bit of charge in your nervous system. And that stress needs to be discharged first before sitting at your edge. Because when you're living with chronic anxiety like I have in the past, you're living in a place that's past your edge. You need tools that can bring you to a place of regulation first, and then you can use things like meditation to gently expand that edge. Trying to expand an edge that you're already way past is not only ineffective, it can actually sometimes be re-traumatizing. And here's the thing about trauma is that it inherently disconnects us from our bodies. It can sever the relationship that we have to the signals and messages that our body is sending to us so that we no longer hear them or are able to perceive them accurately. And to sit in meditation and ignore or override those things is not what we need. And sometimes that can even trigger our traumas. I just said it can be re-traumatizing, especially if we've had specific situations, depending on your trauma history, where you were overpowered by another person. And I don't just mean physically overpowered. It could also be emotionally overpowered by another person. To then overpower our own signals of this is too much reinforces that idea that our instincts aren't to be trusted. So instead, what we need is reconnection. We need embodiment work so that we can fully feel into those feelings first and honor where those are coming from and the protection that they're trying to offer to our system. So what do I suggest instead? I just gave you all these reasons why I don't like meditation for anxiety. So what can you do? And there's three things that I suggest first before trying to use meditation when dealing with chronic anxiety. The first is mindfulness. This is also sometimes, and the reason that I like this so much as a starting point, and I've said this before and I'll say it again and I'm going to keep saying it because it's true, is that alteration follows awareness. If we want to change something, We need to observe it. And I'm not talking about observation like in meditation because I just told you about all the ways in which meditation can be too much, too soon, too fast for a dysregulated system. But observation in the sense of mindfulness and starting to bring some presence and awareness to what you're doing. And, you know, here's the thing. I I love to geek out on this stuff, but I love the parallels between subatomic particles and ourselves on a more macro level. So when we observe subatomic particles in atoms, we know that they change their expression when they're being observed, which I just think is endlessly fascinating. And the same is true for us on a more macro level, right? I mean, let's face it, we're built of subatomic particles in our atoms that build into our cells and then into our body, right? Like, We are subatomic particles, and so if we observe those and they change, when we observe ourselves, then we can also change. Mindfulness practices are not only usually more accessible for people with anxious, racing minds, but they're also a more gentle way to come into the moment. When you're anxious, your mind is working in hyperdrive. It's it's these racing, 
uh, very fast mental movements, essentially. And imagine meditation is like trying to slam on the brakes, whereas mindfulness is like gently applying your foot to the brake. It's a gentler transition. It makes me think of, I'm going to really dork out on you here, but um, the scene from the movie Spaceballs when they're in hyperdrive and then uh, what's his name? The the main, the Darth Vader sort of ripoff character says, you know, full stop. And then he ends up crashing into the, the front console because they stopped too fast, right? That's the whole point is when you try to stop too fast, there can be ramifications from that. And the way I see meditation on an anxious brain is that it's stopping too fast. Mindfulness is also something that can be done as a practice throughout your day versus meditation, which is this thing where you need to sit in a quiet, preferably alone space to really be able to drop into it. And I don't know about you, but that's not very mom friendly. And it's not very practical for me to actually get done. Okay, so that's the first piece is mindfulness and awareness of yourself and what's going on as things are without trying to change them, but in effect, it will end up causing some changes all on its own. And then the next piece is embodiment. And this is where we can really start to ground and center ourselves and reconnect to the communication coming from our body, our body's messages and signals. There's an embodiment teacher, his name is Mark Walsh, and I love his definition of embodiment. He describes it as being aware as a body. And I think that's such a beautiful way to think about it. There's a number of different embodiment techniques that you can use, that you can try practicing. I actually have some in my Calm Mom Toolkit, which is a mini course that's new that I've put together. If you're looking to get started and you're not sure what to do and you need some resources for that, I've put together some mom-friendly calming ideas to help you regulate your system in this toolkit and you can grab that. I'll link to it in the show notes. But the idea is that embodiment practices are going to help you feel more grounded and more centered in yourself and reconnect you to those parts that may have been disconnected through chronic stress or unresolved trauma. And the next is working to actually discharge the stress from our systems. I actually did a whole episode a couple a couple episodes back, and again, I'll link that um, in the show notes, but the episode was on stress versus stressors. And there's an important distinction there, so if you're not sure what that is, I would suggest you go back and listen to that episode. It's got a lot of great information in it about this. But the bottom line is that we need to be able to move some of the response to perceived danger that our body is still sensing out of our body first as a means of becoming more regulated before we try to use tools like meditation. And then once we've done these three things, so mindfulness, embodiment, and discharging stress, because remember too, I said that when you're anxious, you're that anxiety comes with a charge in your system. And so that discharge piece is really critical and most people overlook that. But once you've done those three things, then we can move into a place of expanding what's called our window of tolerance, which is essentially our capacity for dealing with stressful situations while still being able to come into a place of fluid regulation. Meditation is a great tool for this, and I do highly recommend it for those individuals who have done the work that I just talked about, but only if you've done that work first. So 
That explains to you hopefully why I hate meditation as a tool for anxiety and what I like instead. But I do want to end on a positive note because if you're struggling with anxiety, you are most definitely not alone. It's something that millions of people deal with on a daily basis and it can leave you feeling really, really overwhelmed. And it's But it's also something that can be improved and it can also be eliminated from your life. And there's lots of tools and resources out there that can help you get started. Like I said, I've got that new mini course called the Calm Mom Toolkit that's available. I also offer deeper one-on-one coaching if that's something that you're interested in. But there's also tons of free resources online that you can find that can get you started. You can also join the Radical Mother Village Facebook group if you haven't done that already and get some support in there. But the bottom line is that you're not alone and there are things that you can do to help. And if you're listening to this and you're dealing with this in your life, I just want you to know that I think you're really brave for reaching out and getting help when you need it the most. I know that it's not easy. And I can say this from a place of understanding and lived experience because I've been there. But I want you to remember that when mothers heal, the world heals. And prioritizing this for yourself is not only the best thing that you can do for you, but it's also the best thing you can do for your kids as well. All right, mamas, that wraps up another episode of the Radical Mother Village. Thank you so much for listening. I know how valuable your time is, and I appreciate that you're willing to spend some of it with me each week. If you are looking to dive deeper and connect with fellow Radical Mothers, you can do that by joining the virtual village that I facilitate over on Facebook. You can find the link to that in the show notes, or you can also search within Facebook itself for the Radical Mother Village. Over there, you'll find other like-minded mamas doing this work, supporting and encouraging one another, and it's also a great way to connect directly with myself, get a sneak peek on upcoming content, and get access to exclusive offers and resources. 